0: Hello, and welcome to the Pathfig Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for our conversation on non stimulant pharmacologic treatment of ADHD. This is Whitney Landa. I mentioned specifically non stimulant pharmacologic treatment. There is non-pharmacologic treatment for ADHD that we will not go into in this podcast, future podcasts, but for today, we're still going to be focused on medicines. The first one we're going to talk about today is Stratera or Atomoxetine. I like this medicine. There is some data that this medicine can be more effective before trying a stimulant, but I often will try stimulants first because they're the most effective treatment we have and go to Stratera if stimulants aren't tolerated. There's a partial effect from stimulant, but to push the dose up is intolerable because of side effects, or there's a reason not to use stimulants like active eating disorders or substance use. Stratera works more like an antidepressant. It's a norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, and it also promotes dopamine release in the prefrontal cortex. So I tell people it works on the same things that stimulants work on, norepinephrine and dopamine, just in a different way. And so it has the same impact on that circuitry to help with ADHD. There's some evidence that stratera can be helpful the first day you take it, but the bulk of the effect is going to come later, similar to an antidepressant, but a little bit faster. Usually by three weeks, you can see what stratera atomoxetine is doing for ADHD. It also has some evidence for benefit in anxiety and mood. That effect would come later. First, you would see the effect on the ADHD. So if I have a patient who, you know, tried a few stimulants and maybe they worked well, but even the lowest doses made them feel jittery or bad, I would take them off the stimulant and start Stratera from scratch. And what I like to do, depending on their age, is give them either a 10 or 25 milligram capsule and have them work up as they tolerate To either 1.2 milligrams per kilogram in a child or 80 milligrams in an adult. Well, 75 since I gave them 25 milligram capsules. But with Stratera for ADHD, you want to get up to the max dose they tolerate within dosing guidelines and stay there because that will give you the best benefit on ADHD. I think it's a mistake to give them a low dose, wait for three or four weeks, check in again, because we know that really the clinical effect on ADHD happens at the higher doses. So we want to get them on the max dose they can tolerate as early as possible. So again, in a kid, that's usually giving them a 10 milligram capsule and going up to that max dose of 1.2 milligrams per kilogram per day. And in adults, I tell them, here's a 25 milligram capsule or a 10 milligram capsule if they tend to be very sensitive and just walk up as you tolerate to 75 or 80 milligrams. Adults, the evidence is really on 80 or 100 milligrams as being an effective clinical dose. So you want to get them there. Now, the one exception to that is if you have a 2D6 inhibitor, because your stratera dose will be much higher than you would expect otherwise, so one combination I see a lot is Welbutrin and Adamoxetine or bupropion, And Welbutrin or bupropion really raises the blood level dose of Adamoxetine quite strongly. So in that case, if I have someone who, say, is on Welbutrin doing well for their depression, moderate effect on their ADHD, uh, they don't tolerate stimulants or don't want to take a stimulant or have a reason not to, yada, 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 then I'm going to have them go up to a lower dose of stratera. So in an adult I would target maybe 60 milligrams or less. In a child, I'm gonna target closer to that 0.5 per milligram per kilogram per day dose uh, to start with and see how that goes first, just because I know that bupropion or Wilbutrin is going to inhibit the metabolism of the Adamoxetine or Stratera. Once they've been on that dose for three to four weeks, I'll check in with them on how much it's working for the ADHD and if they have any side effects. And people do get diet effects with stratera. The most common ones I see are any sort of stomach upset, constipation, nausea, diarrhea, but something to do with the GI system, and then an effect on sleep, usually insomnia, but people can feel agitated on them, or irritable, or more anxious, right? Anytime we have norepinephrine reuptake inhibition, that is possible. It can also still really suppress appetite, so that's something to watch out for. And rarely it can cause preopism. It also still has the black box warning, so anyone under 24, you still need to do that. That's gone over extensively on the SSRI podcast, so I won't review it here. But Stratera has some real benefits. It's not addicting. Since it's not a controlled substance, people don't have to, you know, get it at a specific pharmacy. There's less regulation around it. If they're already taking a daily medicine, most people don't mind adding on a daily medicine for their ADHD. That is one downside of it though, is you have to take it every day for it to work, similar to an antidepressant. And that's what I tell people. It's similar to an antidepressant and how it works and how you have to take it. If someone wants to take, say, a medication holiday like time off for the summer, I tell them to restart the Stratera a month before school is going to start. That gives it time to become effective before school's really in session. We will sometimes use stratera as an adjunct. So again, someone's on Wellbutrin for their depression, and we're adding in the stratera. We're going to be more cautious with the dosing in that case. Or if they're already on stratera, we're going to add in Wellbutrin but decrease their stratera level. If someone's on a stimulant already, I will often take them down one step on the stimulant first before I add in the stratera, Again, if they're sensitive to the norepinephrine reuptake or dopamine-increased side effects, they're going to be sensitive to the combination as well. For instance, they're on 25 of Adderall XR. I'm going to take them to 20 and then add in the Stratera. So their focus might get a little bit worse before it gets better because we know it does take time to start working fully. The next medicine we're going to talk about is guanfacine or Intuniv or 10X. Intuniv is the long-acting version. 10X is the instant-release brand name. Guanfacine is an alpha agonist, and it's very selective for 2A agonism, which means it's a horrible antihypertensive. So you can use this very comfortably even in people with lower blood pressure. If people tend to have lower blood pressure, I do take a follow-up measurement just to be sure, but it's rare that it would greatly decrease someone's blood pressure. And it tends to be well-tolerated. Children are obviously more prone to side effects, and they have had children get side effects to intune It can actually make them more agitated or irritable, and I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, And it can make them sleepy, though that's really rare. It can also increase appetite, though that's very rare, cause insomnia, which is very rare. So even though we think of it as a gentle, very well-tolerated medicine, especially in kids, be on the lookout for some odd side effects. It's only FDA approved for children, but it's well studied in adults. In adults, you do have to push the dose up for it to work. I always start with the lowest dose even in adults, so I start them at 1 milligram, but I walk them pretty quickly up if I'm using Intuniv, trying to get them up to that five, six, seven milligrams a day. At low doses, Intuniv's been shown to be more helpful for hyperactivity, but at high doses, it's been shown to be helpful for focus as well. And people can be very sensitive to it. I have some adults on 2 milligrams, and it really helps our focus a lot. So again, population-level data doesn't always work for the individual, another good reason to start really low and go up slowly, even in adults. Alpha agonists actually stimulate the prefrontal cortex circuitry directly. The norepinephrine and dopamine we see in stimulants, or atomoxetine, are doing it indirectly, uh, but it works through the exact same pathways. It should show benefit in any given dose after a few weeks. It unfortunately does not work right away, and it is another one where you have to take it every day. There is also evidence for Intuniv, guanfacine about impact on anxiety. So if someone has some anxiety comorbid with their ADHD, it can also be a good choice for that. has a lot of safety data up to two years, and it's easily combined with stimulants. So if someone has great focus improvement from their stimulant, but they're still a little hyperactive. It's a great add-in. Again, we almost have full benefit with our stimulant, but not quite. It's a great add-in. We don't have to worry about you know too much norepinephrine, reuptake inhibition, causing agitation or increased side effect because they work differently even though they're working on the same pathway. And I said earlier in adults to push the dose up as quickly as you can to five to seven milligrams a night. With children, we usually stop at four milligrams a night, but really give each dose the full four plus weeks to assess. So one milligram, two milligrams, three milligrams, four milligram. Don't push the dose up too fast in children. Another thing I love about guanfacine is it's effective for ticks in people with comorbid ADHD. So it can really help ticks a lot. And sometimes I'll use it just for ticks, even if I'm not treating ADHD, And even in someone without comorbid ADHD, I usually try it for tics just because our other medicines for tics have such nasty side effects, and guanfacine is so well-tolerated in comparison. So I love that it treats tics as well. And I mentioned the specific alpha-2 agonism because the next medicine we're going to talk about, clonidine, is less specific um, with its alpha agonism, and it's a lot more likely to cause hypotension or sedation. I actually really like clonidine also as an anxiety PRN if they can tolerate it with their blood pressure because it's a nice gentle one. It doesn't have a lot of side effects, tends to be pretty well tolerated. The limiting step with it is it starts to really affect blood pressure. It does have a long acting form called capfae. And for ADHD, it works the same way that guanfazine works. And it still takes three to four weeks to work at any given dose Usually with cat veil, dose it 0.1 to start, and I'll try up to 0.2. You can go up to 0.3 or 0.4, but again, you're just going to be a little more cautious because it has much more impact on blood pressure. And I think you'll see that people tend to use of a little bit more because of that. And when I'm treating with clonidine, I'm much more attentive to blood pressure and monitoring that on a regular basis. In addition to lowering blood pressure and making people sleepy, much more often than in It can also cause dry mouth and dizziness more often. But as I said, it's great if a child with ADHD isn't sleeping well or has a lot of anxiety. Clonidine can be an excellent choice. It's also unlikely to cause weight gain. It does need to be tapered slowly. You can pull people off in very quickly, but clonidine needs to be tapered slowly so you don't get rebound hypertension. And it's not recommended in people who are also taking beta blockers. So if someone's on a little bit of propranolol for the anxiety, you wouldn't start clonidine on top of it. You'd want to stop the propanolol or any other beta blocker you know, a few weeks before you would try clonidine. Clonidine also has evidence in tick disorders as well. So it's another good reason to use it. And it's been studied in PTSD and relieving some of the autonomic disorder we see in PTSD. So if you have that combination, ADHD and PTSD, it can be very helpful. Sometimes people with PTSD don't want anything that's sedating because they feel less in control, in which case if clonidine worked well, but they didn't like the sedation, you would move to guanfazine. And cap is less sedating than instant release clonidine, as you would expect. The last medicine I'm going to focus on in this podcast is Calbri or Veloxazine. This is new to America. It's a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor that targets the exact same circuitry they all target through the norepinephrine reuptake inhibition. It is marketed in Europe as an antidepressant for depression and anxiety. And I was actually really excited when it came to America because I'd had some European patients move here and were very disappointed they couldn't keep taking it because it worked well for them for their depression and anxiety. So if I have a lot of comorbid depression and anxiety with ADHD, I like Calbrae. I think it's a good choice. Studies have been shown in teens, you really need to push up towards the higher doses, around 400 milligrams a day before you get really good treatment for ADHD. And in adults, it's around 600 milligrams a day. Starting dose is 50 milligrams a day. So you can see that you're kind of really pushing that dose up there. Similar to Stratera, it has the black box warning for suicidal thoughts, so you have to consent for that below the age of 24. And it works really similar to a standard SNRI. <laughs> so that's the exact same consent process you would use for an SNRI like Cymbalta or Effexor. Same side effect profile. Because it has the serotonin reuptake inhibition, it's also going to have the sexual side effects, dry mouth, vivid dreams, uh, headaches, ache, all the same. I do dose it in the morning. I find it's a little bit more likely to cause insomnia than sedation. But again, I've found really good efficacy when treating both depression, anxiety, and ADHD. I really like Kilbrie. It was initially only approved for the under 18 crowd, but recently it was also approved for adults. Remember, though, to just get your adults on those higher doses if you really want to see the improvement for ADHD, but go slowly because you don't want to overwhelm them with side effects, which we know can happen on our SNRIs, which is essentially what Calbri is. So those are the four medications I really wanted to focus on for today's podcast. So any medication that increases norepinephrine and dopamine can also help ADHD. So we also have evidence for things like effects are being helpful for ADHD. But these are the four non-stimulant medications that are really approved for the treatment of ADHD and that I use frequently in my practice. And I encourage you to feel comfortable with them so that if you have someone in your office and you don't feel comfortable with a stimulant or they didn't tolerate a stimulant, you have options to help their ADHD. And I hope everyone here has a great day.